Hi guys, welcome back to the Nevermind Polly podcast. Hope everyone is doing well. Welcome to episode 100. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have hit 100 episodes here on this podcast. I would like to take this moment just to thank every single one of you listening. Um, Yeah, it's an absolutely incredible ride and we do not look to slow down anytime soon. Um, This week's guest is with a gentleman who is a fantastic musician uh, and who is in a fantastic band. I'm talking to Simon Lucas of the band Winterfelleth, um, a fantastic black metal band uh, from Manchester, uh, England. If you are a fan of black metal, you will know all about this band and yeah, I've been really, really excited to have this chat. Uh, we sorted it out a few weeks back, and um, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic chat. It's a fantastic podcast, and uh, Winterfell are a fantastic band. If you haven't already checked them out, um, do so. Uh, yeah, you can follow me personally on my Instagram at enter underscore Matt. The Nevermind Polly podcast is also on Instagram as well. Um, go and do that, and we're also on TikTok as well. And Nevermind Polly podcast on TikTok. If you want to follow me over there. Uh, That is all I want to say at this point in time. I will let you listen to the podcast. I will see you guys on the other side. Yo guys, welcome back to the Nevermind Polly podcast. Hope everyone is doing well. I'll keep this brief and short because obviously you've heard the pre-intro that I've done to this. Um, But welcome to the 100th episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for checking this out. My name is Matt, I'm your host, and I am with a a drummer, a man who I'm a fan of for a long time, the A's band. Um, I'm with Simon Lucas of the band Winterfelleth. I've said that right, haven't I? Yeah, just about Winterfelleth. A lot of people, uh, yeah, a lot of people say... Winterfyleth. Yeah. That's actually wrong. Right. It's pronounced Winterfillet. But it's, I know, I understand why people pronounce the Fyleth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's Philip. Fantastic stuff. How, how are you? How's things? Good, thanks. Yeah, it's been um, quite a couple of months over Christmas. Last mm. bit of band activity was December time. Okay. And uh, yeah, we've we've not got together since then, but uh, planning to start doing so in the next couple of weeks. Oh, fantastic! Cool. So yeah, this is going out. Uh, what we know uh, in about three weeks' time, so sort of mid February. So just to give you a bit of context, but um, yeah. So obviously, the last couple of years, I don't want to dwell on this too much. But the last couple of years has been hellish for everybody. How has uh, you and the band and everybody else kind of? navigated it i guess how has it been for you guys well like everyone you know it's been weird and everyone's been in the same position Mm. uh with touring and so forth so it whilst it was horrible having tours cancelled and postponed uh due to the situation Mm -hmm. you know everyone else was having the same thing happen to them so just had to like it or lump it really but um obviously we've been quite lucky in that we've been able to start playing shows again as of last summer we've done a a few things a few festivals and um a short little uk tour um obviously we haven't been able to get into europe for two years because of it so normally we play over there a few times in the year and yes it feels like an aeon ago since we uh since we were there 
Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I, I've caught you guys uh, a couple of times. Uh, strange enough, both at Bloodstock. Uh, oh, yeah. So, 2017, was it, Bloodstock? Oh, yeah. Uh, main stage, wasn't it? And then yeah. you guys played the Sophie stage this year, just gone. That's right, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, I say, I do think uh, you guys are suited much more to indoors being being a black metal band. It sort of swirls around where it can get yeah. lost a little bit on the outside. But um, yeah, yeah I when say... we played the main stage, it was a bright sunny day, wasn't it? it was <laughs> scorching sunshine. <laughs> am, I, am I right in thinking Emperor played that day as well, or did they play another day on that weekend? I can't quite remember. But again, they had I blistering think... sunshine. I think they played the year after. Was it 2018? Okay, I'll get my yeah. ears confused. But again, they had a blistering sunshine, which is not ideal for a black belt band. <laughs> but we take it. We take, we take sunshine where we can get it in the UK. <laughs> I, I was there for that Emperor Anthem's set, and uh, I seem to remember at least they had Dusk. They, they were yeah, playing yeah. Dusk. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were more midday, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say... Um, Behemoth have managed to bag the ultimate slot, doing uh, the headliners for for this year coming. Uh, complete darkness. So. Yes, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Um, so I want to go uh, back to the start if I can, because I find it really interesting finding out how people got into rock and metal. Because although some people will have you believe the first band they ever listened to was Cannibal Corpse, yeah. it wasn't. I can promise you it wasn't. Um, so how did you get into it? Was it through family, friends, or elder siblings? How did you get into it? Well, I remember being um, sort of eight or nine years old and mm-hmm. sort of showing an interest in in records and so forth because my dad, during the 70s, was a DJ on cruise ships. Oh, amazing. And okay. ran like a mobile disco mm-hmm. around West Sussex where, where he lived at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so he had loads of old vinyl from the 70s, loads of Black Sabbath, uh, yeah. Motorhead, Sex Pistols, loads of other stuff like Focus, uh, loads of like 70s rock stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was my first kind of introduction to, um, I guess, music that wasn't pop music. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, obviously every kid's exposed to pop music when they're much younger. Uh, you know, it never really inspired me too much or, you know, yeah, took my fancy. But, um, Loved listening to Dad's old records, and uh, it just kind of progressed from there, really. And obviously, you find you find you find gateways to different genres, don't you? And yeah, absolutely. Um, via my dad's sort of Black Sabbath and Motorhead vinyl, mm. you find your way to. I think early early nineties when I was yeah. first listening to that kind of thing. He then I can't remember what sort of records. I, <laughs> heard at that that sort of era but it would have been that sort of early night it certainly wasn't certainly wasn't i can't profess to be buying mayhem records in 92 or anything like that when i was nine years old yeah (laughs) no absolutely that's that's totally fair um so what made you um pick the drums because i uh play drums myself very poorly in comparison to someone like yourself um i don't know about that Hey, you've got no like idea. It. Like, <laughs> uh, I can just about manage like Blink One Eighty Two covers, just about. So yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. What made you want to pick up drums as opposed to say a guitar or, or a singer or something like that? Um, you know, I remember um, 
again, it was the early 90s, so I'd have been about eight or nine. And I remember watching when Freddie Mercury from Queen died. There was this massive concert at Wembley with loads yeah. of bands, Status Quo, Metallica, um, Guns N' Roses, those types of bands. Yeah. And I watched it probably every day as a yeah. kid, taped yeah, wow. it off the telly yeah. and watched it every day just because I'd never been to gigs at that point because mm. I was eight or nine. Yeah, of course. And... I, pro- I think I probably wore the tape out. I I watched yeah. it so much, and I'd always be drawn to watching the drummers. Yeah, I was always fascinated by that. And um, my dad at the time um, played in some local like folk bands, mm-hmm. and uh, his close friend who lived just around the corner from us mm-hmm. played drums in the folk band, and his son. Who was a couple of years older than me at the same schools, also played drums. Yeah. And um, I remember being about 10 years old and um, being at a barbecue at their house. Yeah. And uh, he said, Oh, you can, can have a go on my drum kit. I was like, Definitely. Yeah, I want to have a go on that. <laughs> and from that moment, I was hooked and then got mum and dad to get me uh, drum lessons at school. And that was that, really. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a, a strange question, but you're, as a drummer, I think you'll know what I mean. But do you naturally have rhythm? Because I don't, and I find it, re- I found to begin with, I found it really difficult, where some people just pick it up, and it's like instant, and it's like, I don't, yeah, lucky people. <laughs> well, I think if you were to ask the other guys in the band, they'd probably say, <laughs> Definitely. I definitely don't have a built-in metronome. Chris is forever saying, yeah. slow down or speed up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, I, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I have natural rhythm. Yeah. I, I probably have trained rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I right. started playing drums when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm 39 in a couple of weeks. So, oh, yeah. so I've been playing for the best part of 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and maybe it's sort of just through training and practice that I've got that. <laughs> absolutely, and they always say it's the is it the ten thousand hours rule? They say that if you yeah. train, if you train for something or do something for ten thousand hours, that's when you master Become it. Become a master. Right. That's yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. and you've obviously earned your chops in that respect. So that's. I'm that's... not sure if I can even claim to have ten thousand hours. <laughs> absolutely um so what would you say is your sort of major inspirations to as terms of a drummer rather than the band if you have any in terms of other drummers yeah oh just yeah just in general i guess um well in terms of like writing drum parts Mm -hmm. um so i'm just gonna take one earphone off because i've got a weird echo thing going on i'm like hearing myself twice and it's really (laughs) off you're fine trying to speak like a normal human being not sound like an idiot you're fine, um, right. but writing drum parts particularly in like uh, this sort of thing we do mm. for me it's quite important to not overplay too much mm-hmm. and I think some drummers are quite guilty of that and again this is a, this is a thing where if Chris was sat next to me <laughs> he'd be looking at me like 
<laughs> overplaying. Yeah. That's what you do. <laughs> what, what do you mean overplaying? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's for me, things have got to breathe a bit more to let mm-hmm. the groove or the pattern really sort of do its work and mm. do what it's intended to do and support the music. Um, so that's 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 the first kind of rule for me mm-hmm. when thinking about drum parts, not overplaying, playing what's needed. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, favorite drummers, mm. particularly with black metal, yeah, you know, it's got to be Jan Axel from Mayhem, Hellhammer. Yeah. I mean, he wrote the school book on the genre. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Bard Faust as well, mm-hmm. Emperor. Um, his his drums on in the Nightside Eclipse are just absolutely the benchmark for my sort of playing. Um, so those guys, particularly for what we do, is 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 what I try and aim for, and yeah, hopefully I get somewhere up the ladder. Yeah, no, definitely. Of, I definitely think so. At least I'd say you guys are. Uh, that's the thing. This is. I think this is probably maybe a personal thing, but I don't know if anyone like listening feels this as well. I have sort of seasons when it comes to music. So I listen to a massive wide collection of music, but winter is definitely my black metal season. Like yeah. anything dark, like Nordic, anything like that. That's the shit I want. <laughs> yeah. Does, does it come from Norway? Yes, I'll have some of that. <laughs> but um, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Do you guys do you do you find it difficult to sort of play in the summer festivals, just because of all the the sun and all the happy vibes and things, or is it just? <laughs> no, I mean, we we love playing summer festivals. Mm. Um, I mean, I remember playing what was it Brutal Assault Festival in Czech Republic. Yeah, and it was the hottest day in European history, <laughs> and everyone's wearing shorts and vests, yeah. and then there's us wearing our black stage clothes and sweating our asses off. Used to we used to like ten degree heat in, in yeah, the UK. Absolutely. Um, I mean that that's the day that you really want to have like thirty five degree heat when you've got to play a show. Oh yeah, it was stifling. It was we were lucky to be playing in a tent stage oh, okay. so it was a bit cooler for us, which yeah. So that was that was right. But I think like England's a kind of strange country in terms of like European geography mm-hmm. because we're that in between of, we're not a hot country no yeah, but yeah, we're yeah. not like a polar country Absolutely. like the Scandinavian countries you mm. know we have quite a temperate climate yeah um, so I think that comes across in our music as well mm, um, absolutely absolutely and that's the thing uh, so as soon as British people get like a sniff of the sunshine that's it we're all out in shorts out in beer gardens we just can't yeah. help ourselves we get a one day of summer <laughs> yeah i like all the seasons personally and like yourself you know different music suits different seasons but there's yeah. stuff i always listen to all year round yeah, but, yeah of um, course. there's definitely stuff that i listen to to suit certain yeah. uh, times of the year absolutely and that's the best thing about music to be fair um, so yeah, obviously, uh, Winter Feleth, God, I've got to try and get this out right, um, 
Uh, been around since 2006. Now, I'm not going to ask you to go through the whole journey up to this point, but how was sort of the early days of the band for you guys? And how did you sort of come to, to sort of where you are now, I guess, in some sort of thing? How did we come to be? Mm, yeah. Well, it was, it was a funny thing. Me and Chris were... We didn't actually know each other in person mm-hmm. until the very first Winterfellis rehearsal. Oh, wow. Really? And we, we did know each other mm-hmm. through online music forums and stuff like that. And uh, we always sort of had a bit of a um, good sort of friendship, writing to each other on emails and stuff like that. We also had the same interests, um, a bit different to a lot of other people that were sort of on the same platforms. Um, and we struck a call with each other. And I actually moved to Manchester to finish university. Mm-hmm. And Chris was living in Manchester at the time, despite his, he's originally from Huddersfield. Mm-hmm. But he just finished his PhD mm-hmm. in Manchester, and I was just going to finish my degree in Manchester. And uh, we realised we're right to each other. Oh, we should hang out. Yeah, of course. We should start this project we've been talking about for a couple of years. Chris at the time was in um, a doom band mm-hmm. called Atomist, mm-hmm. um, who have done a handful of albums. And uh, they were doing a bit of touring, um, playing with other similar bands. Like I think they toured with Sun and Carne and those types of bands. And um, he wanted to do a black metal project. So did I. Yeah. Uh, and so we organised to have a rehearsal in the activist rehearsal space. Right. And. So we went, I went, met him for the first time, set the drums up, and we literally wrote Mantor on that. Amazing. Oh, wicked. That first time we ever met each other. Yeah. And what was really bizarre, at the time it was just me and Chris and a guy called Shane, mm-hmm. who was also an activist at the time. And the weekend after we'd had the first Winterfell rehearsal, it wasn't called Winterfell then, it was yeah. just unnamed project. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, I, I just happened to be going to London the following weekend to see Emperor. Mm-hmm. It was their 2006 farewell tour mm-hmm. at the Astoria in London, yeah, which yeah. is gone now. Yeah, it's a fantastic venue from what I hear. I'd never got yeah. the chance to go, but yeah. It was a great venue. Um, and... I was lucky in the position that I'd been in a band that had been on Candlelight Records before, so mm-hmm. I was cheeky and had an in for the show, so that was good. And Chris just happened to be going as well. Mm. And what's really bizarre, because he didn't join the band for years after that, but Nick was also at that show, oh, wow. and he didn't join the band until 2010. No, sorry, 2009. Yeah. And Dan Cap, who played guitar for us until a year and a half ago. Yeah. And he joined in 2014. He was at that show as well. Oh, amazing. But we didn't know that... Yeah, that was going to pan out. I knew knew Chris was there, Yeah. so we hung out at the show. But we didn't know Nick and Dan were there, and obviously they went on to 
joined the band. Mm. And I think Russ, who's just replaced Dan, who yeah. plays in Necronautical as well, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he was there. <laughs> if, if he wasn't there, he was at, I think he might have seen Emperor the same year at Wacken Festival or something like that. Yeah. But um, we'll tell the story. He was there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I'm just looking on. Uh, so this is the first podcast I have. So I per- this is behind the scenes. I purchased an iPad, so I've got two screens in front of me and an iPad. So it's fucking brilliant. I can do all the things. Um, just looking on Wikipedia, you guys have got seven records out today. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cool. Seven full lengths. Yeah, seven full lengths. Um, how is the recording process for that? How does that all come to be? Well, it's very different now to when we did the first album, Ghost of Heritage. Mm -hmm. The Ghost of Heritage was very traditional in the way we wrote that. It was basically me and Chris, and at this point we had Richard Brass in the band, Mm -hmm. who was also playing in the band Woden Throne, which was his project. We got him in to help us out with Winterfirth. Um, And we wrote all of the Ghost of Heritage in the rehearsal space, which is you know Amazing. what a lot of bands yeah. did at the time and mm-hmm. it's changed a lot since then um, and we literally went and recorded it in a weekend yeah uh, in a studio in bristol at the time chris's band activist mm-hmm. uh which i'd actually joined on drums for a short while as well when their drummer callum went to university mm-hmm. and they were on invada records Mm-hmm. which was based out of Bristol. Yeah. It was actually run by one of the guys from Portishead. Okay, yeah, I know that band. Yeah, yeah. You know, legendary project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love Portishead. Amazing band. And so we actually got to go and record the Ghost of Heritage in their studio. Oh, amazing. Nice. In Bristol, which was very strange. And we stayed there for four days, recorded the whole thing, no click tracks, just completely raw. Oh, wow. playing along with each other yeah. and that's why it sounds the way it does yeah, and totally course. different to all our other albums. Um, after we did that, the process has pretty much remained the same since then and that process is generally writing demos at home, mm-hmm. recording in a home studio mm-hmm. which Chris has got set up in his place Yeah, and we literally write an entire album before we've even played it as a band oh wow so those songs on those records yeah none of them are ever played as a full band until until the album's done wow okay so all of our parts are written separately so Mm -hmm. chris and nick will write a lot of the uh parts and obviously the other members have been in the band over the years obviously contribute a hell of a lot. So yeah, of course. Mark, Dan, and now Rust have started mm-hmm. contributing. And we'll record all the demos. Yeah. I'll write all the drum parts for them, uh, along with Chris. And we'll then take those demos to the studio. We've got the clip tracks generated then. Yeah. So, you know, it makes a hell of a difference recording to clip yeah, tracks. Yeah, of course. As opposed to the Ghost of Heritage, which was just like, <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, of course. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And then obviously the 
tracking is very different because everyone's recording their parts individually. And this is this is the way. Yeah, no, of course, absolutely. Of yeah, yeah. Work nowadays. Absolutely. Um, but fifteen years ago, we did it a bit differently because we didn't know any better. Absolutely, and that's, um, that's the thing yeah. as well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought a band of your um, sort of genre would do like just all get into a. You're not a pop punk band, you know. You're not a punk band. No. You just, you know, it's so many intricate parts all put together in a certain yeah. way, and so that that makes complete sense. And There's nothing wrong with doing no, it. No, of course, well, you know, yeah, no, of it, course. It's, it yeah. works for some bands, for others it doesn't. We found that it worked better doing it differently and doing it doing it the way we do, which is like I say. I reckon probably 95% of black metal bands and death metal bands do it the same way yeah, we do yes. nowadays. Absolutely. Um, and we recorded, um, so where we, we recorded the Ghost of Heritage in State of Art Studios in Bristol. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we then, that came out on Crown Law Records, which is mm-hmm. a, that great label from Canada. Yeah. Uh, Chris, who runs Crown Law, puts out some amazing stuff. Um, but shortly after we did the Ghost of Heritage, we were given the opportunity to sign with Candlelight, mm-hmm. which we did, yeah. and recorded the Mercy and Sphere. And we went to Fold Studios, which is in Mid Wales, near Welsh Yeah, It's an amazing place. It's one of my favourite places to go and yeah. spend like two weeks. Am, um, I, am I right in thinking, um, to get into the geography now, that uh, Welshport is literally on the border of England and Wales? Am I right in thinking that? Yes, right. It's about yeah, 10 yeah. miles, because I think I've been there before, if I remember rightly. It's about yeah. 10 miles between them, but yeah, go on. Yeah, so you get to Welshport, and there's a little village a few miles into Wales called Lanver Karenian, or yeah. Lanver Karenian. I don't yeah. want to offend <laughs> any of your Welsh listeners by yeah. pronouncing their villages wrong. Um, and Fowl is nestled in a little valley a few miles away from Lanfa. Yeah. Uh, and it's literally like the nearest next door neighbour is a mile away. Oh there's really? A, wow. There's a you go down like a steep hill mm. down this country track to get to the uh, studio and the studio is actually in a four hundred year old converted barn. Amazing. Nice. Which was built by an ex member of Hawkwind. Okay, yeah. Um and Bull too. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing. You stay yeah. in this little stone cottage next door, which is also like 400 years old, yeah. and it's just got this amazing atmosphere about it. There's a there's a forest behind the uh, studio and the drum room. Yeah, and it's just a great place. It just feels amazing, um, and it's such a it's such a perfect place for us to record. So we did the next two records there. We did Mercy and Spear and Serenity there. Then Chris, our producer, there's a lot of Chris's on now. I'm <laughs> Chris, yeah. Chris from Brown Law, and Chris Fielding, yeah. who was the producer at Fall at the time. Mm-hmm. He's also in Ancona. Okay. Yeah. He wasn't at the time, he is yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but when he joined Conan, him and John built a studio in Chester, yeah. uh, which was Skyhammer. So we went and recorded. Um, the next three records there, so we did uh, Divination mm-hmm. and Dark Hereafter, and in fact, sorry, three records, and we did Halloween, the acoustic album. Yeah. We did all of those at um, Skyhammer, which was, a, which was a great studio, very different atmosphere to follow. Yeah. Um, but 
when we came to recording The Reckoning Dawn, yeah. uh, they'd sold Skyhammer. Oh, no. And Chris had moved back to Lanza mm. and was working out a foal again. Yeah. So we were really excited to go back to the foal. Mm. So The Reckoning Dawn was back to where we recorded Mercy and Sphere and uh, The Threnity Triumph. Amazing. So, That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, obviously coming out in 2020... Um, I guess do you guys get get to play a little bit uh, in terms of the new record and things because of the pandemic? Well, only as of summer twenty twenty one. Right, so yeah, yeah, of course. We played the album release show for mm-hmm. the Reckoning Dawn. Yeah. About fifteen months after it was out. <laughs> oh bloody hell! <laughs> so it came out May twenty twenty. Yeah. Two months into the pandemic. Yeah. And we just thought we didn't want to do it. we didn't want to delay it. Yeah, no, of course. Um, so it was gutting. We had an entire European album release tour postponed. Mm. Yeah, of course. As was to be expected. Yeah. And then, yeah, first show was Bloodstock mm-hmm. last Amazing. year for yeah. it. Um, yeah. Amazing. I love that. Um, is there anything in terms of new music you could talk about? Or is it just you sort of trying to refocus in terms of touring and getting this one sort of album cycle done and then going yeah. to the next thing? Yeah. I think we felt like, because everything's been shunted back mm-hmm. almost like 18 months. Yeah, of course. We have got bits of new music written. There yeah. are There are the small little acorns of yeah the, of course the, the shoots of um material there mm-hmm. um but we're not in a rush to no, do that because we've got we've really got to try and small the record properly. yeah no of course absolutely um, we, we feel like it's a, it's, it's a special record for us so we're all really proud of it yeah, and absolutely. it needs to be given its time in the limelight absolutely. rather than a new record coming along and then it's just old songs um so so yeah we're gonna be hopefully touring a bit for that this year we've, we've got a european force in end of march but mm-hmm. yeah i'm not i don't yeah. know what's going on with that i can't really yeah every, everything's crossed for you uh definitely. yeah we don't know ourselves There's yeah no conversations of course going on yeah um we don't know ourselves whether that's happening or not yet so yeah absolutely um, We'll, we'll just have to see. Um, yeah. But we have got um, a fair amount of music written for a side project. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is three members of Winterfellas. Mm-hmm. It's me, Chris, and Nick. Yeah. And, interestingly, Shane, who was the first bass player in Winterfellas. Oh, amazing. Nice. For a few weeks. And he yeah. was also an activist. Um that project's called Dismal Aeon. Okay. Um, and that's a bit different to one to finish. It's uh, pure death metal. Oh, really? Okay, nice. Yeah, so sounds, we've got quite a lot street. of material. It's <laughs> almost an album complete. Yeah, no, that sounds right up my street. Um, so if you had to... So, okay, so I'm going to put a scenario to you. Um, you're at Bloodstock, uh, download any festival you pick out the sky, and someone comes to you and goes... Ah, huh, you're you're in a band. What band do you in? Oh, I'm in Winterfellith. Okay, what album would you give them to listen to, which sums up you guys as a new part, as a new listener, if you can? 
I think the obvious answer is to say the newest one. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. No, that's cool. <laughs> but from my perspective, it's our best record. Yeah, no, of course. So you may as well listen to that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> start start there and work your way back. Yeah. Does that seem as a bit of a fan favourite? Yeah, absolutely. Um, or maybe Divination. But no, it's got to be the Reckoning Dog. Amazing, awesome stuff. Um, so I'm going to ask a question. I love, I love this question because one day I'm going to get like a really good answer, and I've had a few. But um, do you guys have uh, any win any in winter any um, pre gig rituals at all? Now I'm going to preface this. You're a black metal band, so I'm hoping I've got everything crossed for something good. <laughs> um. Not really. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to be sacrificing all I'll kinds of animals. Something. I'll tell you something. Which Got him. Yeah, but at the end of the day, right? Yeah. We're four quite honest guys. We don't pretend to. Yeah. Be, no. To, like, to be to be to be to be totally fair, I am messing. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Um, yeah, we're not four like black magicians from yeah. like I don't know some. Castle in Snowdonia. We're, yeah, we're four guys that work day jobs. You know. Yeah, of course. I think for me, one of the really important things about not just black metal but music in general, mm. but particularly black metal. Yeah. And a lot of people miss the point with black metal. Yeah. Is that there has to be sincerity and integrity behind it. Absolutely. And for the listener it has to be genuine. Mm -hmm. So if a band proclaims to be the most satanic band <laughs> since, you know, the creation of the evil, yeah. um, <laughs> there has to be, like, a, they have to back that up. Yeah. A genuine, yeah. which is why I really love bands like The Devil's Blood from mm -hmm. Holland, who are obviously no longer with us. Yeah, um, because they really were what they said they were. They were <laughs> they were all part of genuine occult organisations. Yeah, quite quite sinister ones. Yeah, and that made them genuine and real. And mm. their music takes on a higher form. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and that goes for us as well mm. with what we talk about. Yeah, and, and the subjects we we sing about. And, and that could go for any subject. Mm. You know, you can see through, like, a, a, just a gimmick. Yeah, of course, you know, absolutely. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. That's yeah. not. I mean, that's not. It. That's not necessarily true. But for me, there has to be a, a, a genuine sort yeah, of sincerity about abso something. Absolutely, and that's the thing. You know, you. You work bloody hard at your craft as musicians, you know, and it's, yeah, integrity is so important, and, and I think you guys are absolutely smashed it in that department, so that, that, that's that's real good. Um, again, What was your question? You, there was a, I went off on a tangent. What was your what was your? No, that's fine. Um, the question... Um, uh, da, 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 I can't even remember now. It's gone. Oh, it's gone. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, another one that I do quite like uh, is... Um, what is the craziest thing 
that you personally have seen at a festival or a show. Doesn't have to be your own show. Could be just as as a punter at a show. Is there anything that sticks in your mind as a crazy experience you've seen? Oh god. Um the first ever time we played Bloodstock Festival, yeah. which was in 2010. Mm-hmm. So still quite early in mm. the history of Winfield. Yeah. We only had Mercy and Spirit just come out. Yeah. So we had two albums out. And apparently um, there were two people completely naked having full intercourse. In was it you guys? Because I know there's a story that I was there. Oh, was yeah, it you guys? Oh, amazing. <laughs> and apparently they were just two deviants that, you know, well, each, each to their own. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was quite bizarre. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's lots of other things. I love that. It's the, it's the power power of the metal that brought them together in a literal sense. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was the metal that did that. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! Absolutely love it. Absolutely I mean, there's, love it. There's, there's kids at that festival. Yeah. On, no. Man. True. True. Yeah. yeah. Very. Very true. Very. Very true. <laughs> Um, so I've got a couple of questions for you, uh, and then I'll let you uh, carry on for the rest of your evening. But um, so, do you have uh, a dream collaboration that could be yourself, just as a drummer, or with the band as a whole? Have you got anyone you'd love to play with? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I've always thought it'd be really cool to collaborate with the guys from Ulva. Mm-hmm. They're they favourite band of yeah. all time. Fair. And um, I love every era of Volvo. I, I can't, I can't sound familiar with them, to be honest, but yeah. But go and listen to their entire back catalogue this week. Yeah, definitely. Um, start with the Black Metal trilogy mm-hmm. from the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, we did an older cover yeah. on The Dark Hereafter. It's the last song. Yeah. Um, that's probably their most famous Black Metal track. It's absolute. It's pure magic. Yeah. Uh, they did two albums of black metal. Mm-hmm. They did like a. Actually, I don't know whether Bard that's considered an album or not, but um, they did a tape, like a tape EP type thing. Mm-hmm. Then out. Yeah. Then they did a folk album. Right. Which is Amazing. just pure classical guitar. Yeah. And acapella vocals, and then they did one of the most extreme black metal albums ever recorded after that wow. nothing's been wiggle. Yeah. And then they started recording weird avant garde, proggy electronic music. Oh wow, amazing. And they've so, gone through lots yeah. of different phases within weird avant garde electronic music since then. And yeah. it's all amazing. It's all amazing. Yeah. Their last two albums have been absolute gems. Um if you like weird synth pop mm. it's really cool and I'd love to do a collaboration with anybody associated with all the um, uh, and even uh, I would say Harvard who mm. wrote a lot of Bergtat their mm. sort of big first album Yeah, he's in a couple of projects now they're all really good Yeah, um, I'd like to collaborate with him maybe Maybe Matt from Hex, that's going to be smoking. He's a really interesting artist. Yeah. He 
writes some amazing music. I love most of the stuff he puts out. I say most, probably all of it. Um, <laughs> his band Head Vessels, a yeah. turn favourite of mine. Uh, Beast which is our great pleasure. He yeah, used yeah, to be yeah, in the British band Code. Yeah. Um, who have members from all over. I think their main, main kind of songwriter lives in New Zealand now. Okay. Um, but they've had members from all over, members, shared members with Todd Hines Guard, and uh, they're a really interesting band. Yeah, um, and Matt was also in Todd Hines Guard for a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, he'd be an interesting guy to collaborate with. Awesome stuff, awesome stuff. Um, I've just got one final question for you, and that is what is to come in 2022 that you can, that is confirmed, you can talk about, and anything else you'd like to plug in general? Cool, cheers. Um, well, we have that tour in March, April, mm-hmm. which is announced. It's at this stage, it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows whether that happens? That's purely Europe. We've just done the UK. Yeah. So this, this is starting in Germany. Um, all, all of France. Yeah. The Lowlands. Switzerland, Austria, Hungary, Poland, those sorts of countries. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see if that happens. I didn't get that. Could you try again? <laughs> Shut up, Siri. Go away. <laughs> Go away. Sorry. Go on. Bloody <laughs> Siri. Yeah. Um, and we've got a few festivals. Uh, so we're playing we're playing Warhorns Winter Camp, I think it's called. Amazing. Which is in yeah. Yorkshire in yeah. just over a month. Amazing. Okay, cool. Forest of Stars and Darkest Era are also playing amongst others. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that'll be haven't seen Forest of Stars in a good while, so that'll be nice. Absolutely. And um, Incineration Festival in London is going to be a good one. Yeah. Emperor. Yeah. So it's quite nice that we're going to be sharing the stage with the band that you know so important to our history and the record label we're on obviously Candlelight. yeah of course um so that's really exciting and um then some summer festivals uh brutal assault Czech republic yeah um and some others and yeah i can't remember what else is going on no that that is absolutely fine thank you so much uh, for your time simon it's been an absolute pleasure my friend and um yeah all the best for the rest of the year and everything to come and hopefully I will see you guys at a show, and if I do, I'll reciprocate with a with a beverage of your choice, uh, and we can go from there. But we're going to do the uh, fake goodbye, um, and then I'll just quickly chat to you after. But um, thank you so much for coming on, dude. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Really appreciate it. Cheers, dude. See you soon. Bye. Cheers, Sam.